What's going on, guys? This is Rob Pearsall, joined by my co-host Mike Jennings, and you're listening to the Mets Legends Cast. Uh, today's topic is a little bit on the heavier side, so um, we're kind of going to just dive right into it. But obviously, one of the bigger topics surrounding the New York Mets right now is former pitcher Matt Harvey. Um, Matt Harvey is currently in the news because he uh, had to stand uh, stand witness or he had to be testified in court about the death of Tyler Skaggs, which happened in 2019. And uh, it was just a lot of a lot of information um, coming out the last several days about this. I think. Yeah the last week or so it was like i think it was last tuesday harvey's name was uh was connected to the skaggs case and uh i don't know it's just a very sad thing we'll get into that a little bit later in the uh episode obviously it's going to be a big talking point but this episode is going to surround matt harvey so we wanted to talk about kind of how we got to this point um so I was telling Mike before the podcast that Harvey to me is one of my favorite Mets to which Mike agreed that he's also one of his favorite Mets. And I think that a lot of people share in that sentiment, obviously you have a pocket of the fan base that I think is a a little bit less sympathetic towards him and has a little bit of resentment or um, anger towards him for whatever reason. Because uh, he never turned out to be what everyone thought he was going to end up being. Um, but when Harvey debuted in 2012, he was really, to me, the beginning of a new era in Queens. Because you had so many seasons after 2006 where the team was still trying to bank on that core of players. Like even going into 2009. Uh, at the new stadium in City Field, you still had a lot of those guys on the team. Your Reyes's, um, Carlos Delgado, Carlos Beltran, uh, obviously David Wright. Um, but they were in this weird limbo period because 2009, you know, that's a few years after 2006. And 2008, 2007, you had these historic collapses. And the Mets didn't really do all that much to address those teams so then obviously you had the ponzi schemes that the will ponds were caught up in you had the ultimate rebuild um but harvey was really the first prospect that came to the major leagues that really blossomed and gave this sense of hope to a fan base that all right we're we're kind of we're kind of trending in the right direction and if you remember, Harvey wasn't even really the big name that people were really excited about at that time. Like he was a first round pick for sure, but Zach Wheeler was actually the bigger name that people were stoked about. Right. He he was the prospect that the Mets obviously got from the Giants for Carlos Beltran. Um, and so Harvey came up though, and he just really connected everything, everything kind of culminated for him he had that big debut in arizona where he recorded a couple hits at the plate pitched really well um, and finished the 2012 season on a high note and then 2013 obviously we know harvey was just unreal started the all-star game at city field uh had a great great season before he underwent tommy john surgery and it was a long road back for harvey i mean 
that time between him getting Tommy John surgery late in the 2013 season to 2015 feels like a really long time. It almost feels like two separate careers to me. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, Mike, but to me, it's like 2013 Matt Harvey and 2015 Matt Harvey are like two really good players, but like separate entities kind Mm -hmm. of, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when I think about just, just to, you know, focus a little bit more on like Matt Harvey's come up. Um, you know, I don't, I don't remember which spring training it was. Maybe it was 2015 um, when they had that. Um, I think it was a sports illustrator. Maybe it was ESPN magazine cover the five aces with, um, or was that the next year? Was that 2016? No, uh, I think it was 2015. And it was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was your, your it was Zach Harvey, Miller. DeGrom, Syndergaard, um Matt Steven Match and Wheeler and Bartolo, and, and, and Bartolo yeah <laughs> yeah uh but it was um you know he was the first of those five you know he was like he he was the first one who who like really made an, an impact with the fan base um and you know I still have my my Matt Harvey jersey um still wear it proudly he's um and it has a actually an all-star game patch from 2013 on it. Um, it was like a misprint. I bought it for like 30 bucks. <laughs> um, it was one of those like cheap ones, but it's still like my favorite, you know, favorite Mets jersey that I have, uh, mostly because it is Matt Harvey. And he was so exciting to watch, just like absolutely electric. But um, I don't want to derail too much. I, I just wanted to, you know, throw that in there, but keep going. No, I mean, I agree with you. And, and I think that, I mean, for me, Harvey day was such an important day of the week. And I think that that kind yeah. of shifted into DeGrom day, but even with, with Harvey day, it was Batman like, masks and like the, yeah. the whole Thor thing. We had that whole, you know, superhero thing going. It was, it was a really, really fun time. And when, you know, Mets pitching was can't miss TV. There was that game against the Nationals where Harvey pitched against Steven Strasburg at City mm-hmm. Field, and the entire crowd was chanting, Harvey's better. And uh, <laughs> this is kind of where thing, things, I think, um, not that they, they – it was just – it was a time for Harvey where – and he admitted in the whole Skaggs thing – um this week that he was a big partier and i think that anybody who watched the mets or has any kind of gauge on this should it should not come as any surprise that no, not at all. um and even when he even him doing cocaine like he had those bloody nose games mm-hmm. on the mound and i think everyone was kind of just like yeah he might be doing blow um and i mean cocaine's a huge party drug uh, a lot of players do it and you look at the NHL, especially, that's always been a thing. A lot of NHL players do cocaine, especially playing in New York. You are in the middle of one of the biggest cities in the United States and the world, and you are completely under the scope. And a thing that really stood out to me is in the Once Upon a Time in Queens documentary, which is obviously about the 86 Mets, uh, I think it was... KRS one who said playing in New York or living in New York was social media before social media. Like everything you did was under such a microscope, every move you made, everything you were doing in your private life, it was all very, very publicized. So 
Yeah, I remember that quote. And and just to, you know, kind of expand upon the once upon a time in Queens thing, you know, it's it's impossible for me, at least um, in this situation, you know, seeing what unfolded with with Matt Harvey and his testimony um, to not draw a parallel between, you know, him and Doc Gooden, you know, like such a such a promising young talent, just dominant, completely dominant and for the most part, uh, you know, the the under under the surface issues that are, um, you know, resolved for someone like Doc Gooden are only just starting uh, down that path for Matt Harvey. Um, and it's just, it's just really sad um, to see that happen again, like as if the organization just really didn't learn anything from that whole ordeal. Um, and to, to have failed a player the way that they've failed Matt Harvey uh, again, is to me one of the one of the sadder parts of the whole thing yeah absolutely and i think there's a lot of parallels and we we really tend to forget that there are human that these people are human um obviously they have a spectacular talent they're able to pitch in front of thousands and thousands of people in person millions of people you know on tv whatever it is and perform and to be able to step up and that's amazing and that's why they they get paid the big bucks that's why they're so highly uh applauded but these are people you know like they have lives they have families they have they do things just like we do and when you're on the top of the world and you're pitching good you're hitting good you're playing good it is euphoria you're on cloud nine Mm -hmm. but playing in new york as you and i both know as fans is new york fans are really tough and if you're not performing well they're gonna let you hear it and a big issue for me with the wilpont era specifically and maybe before that but this is what we know because a a majority of our lives the wilpons own the team um they always found a way to really mishandle their players and then smear them on the way out mm-hmm. um like you look at carlos beltron you know a guy that you're paying that you gave a seven-year deal to you're paying him millions of dollars and you won't even let him get knee surgery because you want to just pretend like the injury doesn't exist and then he goes and gets knee surgery because he needs it at, from a, from a separate party and you're painting him like he's the bad guy because he's trying to get himself healthy to play uh 162 game season and it was always that short-sightedness you know like that was that was you know pretty uh typical of of that era and i mean it's (laughs) it it definitely still exists that that short-sightedness um you know keeping players on the field as much as possible trying to sell as many tickets to the next game you know as they can um, you know, the issues with Pedro Martinez and his injuries and them throwing, you know, throwing him out there when he was playing hurt uh, in, a, in a throwaway game at the end of the season, basically just to sell tickets. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just example after example after example of these systemic issues that we can only hope um, are being, you know, addressed not only in the Mets organization, but like in Major League Baseball as a whole. Um, it's, it's really, you know, it's really fascinating timing, I would say, 
with the lockout going on and the collective bargaining that's going on, like what, what can, what can the player players association do to truly, um, you know, seek the best interests for the players, um, including something like mental health and addiction that, that we're talking about today. Yeah. And um, obviously I want to talk about that um, when we kind of get more into the meat and potatoes of what's going on right now, I just wanted to mention briefly um, just to kind of conclude Harvey's tenure in New York, but um, obviously Harvey missed all of 2014 with Tommy John came back in 2015, had a sub three ERA um, was right back, you know, in Matt Harvey form. There was the whole debacle with the innings limit and, I know a lot of people have mixed opinions on that. And, you know, obviously it might've really affected the long-term aspect of his career for sure. Oh yeah. But it's not something that I ever held against Harvey. Like, I don't know, like some people, like it's some people get upset that he continued to pitch that season and, you know, maybe for the long-term health of his career, it was the wrong choice, but Harvey wanted to be out there. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted him out there on the night, you know, going back out there in game in, in the world series, you know, yeah. like I wanted him out there. The, you know, the, the everyone in the crowd was cheering for him, you mm-hmm. know, everybody. Um, and I think after that, like the decline is just so sad. Uh, you know, you had 2016 where Harvey just can't get it together. And I was actually at the game. It was, a, I remember it was on the 4th of July. It was against the Marlins and the Mets won, but Harvey pitched that game, got absolutely lit up. And then after that game went on the, 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 the injured list. Yeah. Um, and that was really the beginning of the end for Harvey, because I don't know if he pitched again that season. Um, and then there was like the whole thing where, you know, there was atrophy in his shoulder mm-hmm. or his, you know, whatever his arm. And then you he's find like, out he could barely he, touch 92 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He was, um, whereas he was, he was at like 97, like yeah. three years prior. And, it's a big difference. And yeah, I mean, I was at, um, I was actually at a game of uh, that Matt Harvey pitched in a Reds uniform, uh, surprisingly enough, when I was living in Indianapolis. Um, we just went to, um, you know, a Reds Giants game. Uh, and it just so happened that Matt Harvey was pitching. So I was excited to see him. And, um, you know, it's bizarre because that was very much past his, you know, performance prime as a player. Um, you know, he was struggling to stay on rosters at that point. Um, you know, his, his ERA had started to balloon into like the sixes and sevens. Um, but, for that day he looked like the old Matt Harvey again and it was um it was really cool for me to see as a huge Matt Harvey fan um I think he 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 threw like eight innings like scattered a couple hits and maybe just been one hit I I can't totally remember um but he went deep into the game and he looked you know he had that look at of him on the mound you know when he was really had the competitive juices flowing and it you know, it makes me wonder during his time in Cincinnati, was it, you know, was it more of the same of Matt Harvey? Like I start to come up with questions of like, well, what did I actually see, you know, after all of this came out? Um, I, I, as a fan, was very happy to see him succeed that day. Uh, but what was going on, you know, sort of under the covers, who knows? 
and that's the thing, um, because after that 2016 season and 2017, and then him getting traded to the Reds for Devin Mesoraco in 2018, um, there were so many things that had happened at that point. And I think Harvey was under such a scope in New York, like more so than a lot of other of his teammates at that time, um, just because you had this tremendous talent who is now fighting for his life as a, as a player. And I think everyone kind of just wondering why obviously he had the thoracic outlet syndrome, which is a death sentence for a lot of pitchers. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was always like everything Harvey did was being criticized and sure. I mean, there were times where Harvey was maybe not the best teammate. I'm not going to deny that. I mean, there was the whole thing where he didn't show up and he was, um, you know, he didn't show up because he was celebrating Cinco de Mayo the night before, and he didn't show up because Adriana Lima broke up with him. Um, but I think that those things are not, are, are kind of to me like a symptom of what Harvey was going through. Of course. Um, and yesterday I made a tweet, uh, about how I thought it was unfair that people were, were or have been honestly like this whole time, just completely critical of Matt Harvey and not even thinking about the human aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we find, we found out a little bit more about what was going on with him with the drugs and everything yesterday. Um, but even before that, I, I it's such a, a s- silly narrative to me um, that Harvey derailed his career because of his arrogant attitude or his drug use or whatever it is. It's like, okay, like, yeah, like Harvey's drug use, probably not ideal. Um, but let's not forget that we have two major arm surgeries, one of which yeah. a lot of guys don't even come back from. Like, that's really what to me is the and issue. He, and he did. He, he did come back and, you know, had flashes of success. But, you know, I mean, like you said, something like thoracic outlet syndrome is for, for most pitchers uh, a death sentence. But like props to him for even working his way back. I remember seeing those those videos i think it was maybe in the 2020 off season of him throwing at some like just like random like field and um and you know it was it was the same sort of thing it's those people who uh you know have been critical of matt harvey the whole time and the same people i'm sure who are critical of doc good and daryl strawberry the whole time um it's it's people who just truly will not accept that you know addiction is a sickness and that, you know, it deserves to be treated. Well, also, yeah. And, and to build off of your point, um, kind of going back to what I was saying about the, the human aspect of all this, can you imagine Matt Harvey and what is racing through his mind on a daily basis? Imagine going mm-hmm. to your job where you're very successful and you're very good at what you do every single day. You're at the top of your field. You are reliable. You are the guy. And having all of that taken away from you and having to like, it's, it must be this lost, sad, frustrating feeling that you have to deal with and you have to marinate in every single day. And yeah, Harvey partied. Uh, I don't, I don't think a single guy in their twenties in New York, who's making millions of dollars or even, you know, $500,000, whatever you're making league minimum is not going to be doing. Uh, I don't think that's a problem here. Obviously, it it there's more to it than that um but i and i have a lot of people that were replying to me saying 
well, he's, he's not an addict. He's doing cocaine. As we found out, obviously he had tried oxycodone. Uh, there was Percocet involved. So it was more than just cocaine, but even still, even if you take the word addiction away and beyond his partying, these are things that he was using in a way to cope. Um, you know, he was, he was turning to these things because there was some sort of void in his life. You know, there was some sort of, uh, uh, um, you know, pain that he was going through. And, um, I, listen, I I get it. Like, like it's obviously something that is going to be divisive of a topic. I I didn't expect everybody to agree with me. Um, you know, I think that there was a lot of things that were very, um, people kind of jumping to the conclusion of of Harvey bad because drugs, Harvey bad person. Mm -hmm. And that's just really not the case. Um, And I think that like Harvey does deserve sympathy because it's a very sad story and drug use is, uh, you know, an addiction and having that in your life is a very lonely and stigmatizing thing where people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. Um, And, you know, obviously I think we've made progress as a culture, but there's still a lot of people that have a really negative connotation about drug users and how it's just a a blame game of, well, they did this to themselves. If they didn't want to get addicted, they shouldn't have done it. Um, and I just think that's a really unfair way of looking at this. Like Harvey's still a person, you know, and obviously the whole thing with Tyler Skaggs is terrible. I mean, he's dead, like, but it's, it's just one of those things where he's still a human being and he was, he's hurting and, and, and I don't know. Um, that's yeah, kind of where my, where my logic is on it. Yeah, and like there, there needs to be an empathetic, empathetic response to this because um, like, yes, it's, it, you know, the, the tragedy of Tyler Skaggs, we all know is it's so sad and obviously it extends well beyond just him you know, there, there were people that he were part of his life. Um, and Matt Harvey being one of them, like, I think him still being, you know, in any kind of spotlight, um, he needs that empathy to be able to, you know, make the right steps forward. And I think huge props to Harvey for even testifying in the first place, because I'm sure that was terrifying for him. Um, to, to have all of this, you know, information be made public, um, you know, that, that's got to be a, hor- a horrible feeling up there with all the other horrible feelings we've already talked about. We can only imagine he went through. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't really know what else to say about, like, the, the human aspect of it. I just can't believe that people would be so critical of someone who, who just needs you know, the opposite of that. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, as we, we saw with Harvey and Skaggs, it was something that is really common in baseball. And you had, even beyond Harvey and Skaggs, you had teammates CJ Crone and Mike Marin, who were mm-hmm. also had to testify um, about drug use and getting drugs from uh, Eric Kay. Uh, who worked for the angels, you know, and who was getting, uh, getting these pills to people. Uh, And I don't know. It's just, it's just, that was really what bugged me. It was just like, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm down to have a you know, and and, and there it was it was definitely impassioned on my end, just because I think that it's really unfair for it to be so black and white, like. Yeah, you know, Harvey partied his way out of baseball. Harvey's arrogant attitude uh, is the reason why his career failed, and this and that. And I just, I was so tired of hearing that. Um, and maybe I should have went about it in a way where it was a little bit more of a conducive conversation. Um, but I, my whole thing, like bottom line, is whether Harvey is addicted, an addict, um, or is using to cope with some sort of pain. Um, you know, if you, if you want to go that route and you don't want to call it addiction, there is the use of drugs beyond just cocaine, which we know of right now. Um, and he was using these drugs in some manner to cope. And so that's the sad part in all this. Um, and I know you and I both wanted to talk about this today. Um, and if you guys like, you have things you want to say to us, like by all means, like tweet at us. Like, if you, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would be nice to have a conducive conversation about this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just very sad. Uh, it's very sad to see. It's very sad for the Skaggs family. It's very sad for, for everything. Um, but I think one last thing we wanted to talk about really was the whole Terry Collins thing with yeah. all this and uh, kind of the Wilpons and, and, and the Mets and what I always, I feel like every episode at this point, I kind of say a, another symptom of the Wilpons, but um, Mike, do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of what happened with Terry Collins uh, on multiple circuits yesterday? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that I saw was um, he went on SNY and um did what I can only imagine to be what he thought to be like a well-intentioned interview that just ended up with his Terry putting a massive foot in his mouth um, about just like the failure of the organization to recognize what was going on and get the proper uh, help for, and basically, uh, basically the Mets had a chance to um, hopefully curb um, sort of the path that Harvey was headed down. Um, but basically, you know, as we saw through uh, the words that Harvey used in his testimony to um, what Terry Collins has said, both on SNY and uh, was quoted as saying in the New York Post, um, you know, there's obviously a huge disconnect between the two parties. Um, so there was basically this New York Post article that came out Um, by Mike Puma, where there were just a couple of quotes that stood out to me, um, where, you know, there's, there's this one where Terry Collins is talking about uh, interaction he had with another player where he said, there was a time I addressed an off-field issue with one of the other guys on the team. And his statement was, well, I'm not doing what Matt Harvey is doing. I said, this isn't about Matt Harvey. This is about you. I tried to get off that subject as fast as I could. Was there knowledge in the clubhouse without question? So obviously they knew what was going on. They knew that Matt Harvey was, you know, obviously he was staying out and partying, as we can see from, you know, starts that he missed um, or, you know, ways that he showed up to the clubhouse um, that doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, But further down, there was another quote where Colin said he tried to address the situation in the most lackluster way that I've really ever seen (laughs) attempted. Um, It's Uh, The quote says, was there a time someone said, are you on something without naming anything? That was probably brought up, Colin said. But pretty much, 
you address it as, look, you have to clean up your off the field situation. That was it. And then Harvey goes on to say in his testimony, basically that, uh, you know, did anyone in the Mets organization or did he lie to anyone in the Mets organization about his drug use? And he said, well, no one really asked. So, um, you know, it's, it's obvious that, um, that there was knowledge, but not nearly enough uh, care taken for the human that was clearly, uh, you know, struggling with, with this like substance abuse. Um, so, I mean, it's like you said, it's just another, you know, Wilpon era symptom of, well, Matt Harvey's selling tickets. Um, we can run all these Batman promotions and that's great. Um, so we'll just sweep this under the rug, just like they did with, you know, Doc Good and Daryl Strawberry, you know, and name anybody basically on the 8016. It's just, it's just sad that they keep making the same mistake. Well, I think that 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 quote from Harvey speaks. It really just it is is such a powerful quote. Where, like you said, uh, they ask him about the cocaine use. If anyone tried to help him or whatever it was, and Harvey says very candidly, "Well, nobody asked," and I'm going to believe Harvey on this one. I am. Same. I'm going to believe Harvey on yeah. this one. And the reason being is because the Wilpons never did anything that made me trust them. Um, so maybe Jeff Wilpons telling people, well, we tried to help Harvey, you know, we tried to, but you know, whatever. That, that being the manager saying, clean up your off the field situation. And that was it. Like that's, that's nothing. That's, that's not help. That's nothing. That's not help. That's, that's like, uh, that's like me saying to you, like, Oh, Mike, your room is, is, uh, is messy. Go, go clean your room. And then <laughs> never talking about it again yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, Hey, if I help you with this, we could, we could get this done twice as fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think very symptomatic of the Will Ponera and also kind of a microcosm of, uh, drug use in baseball um you know harvey's thing maybe it was the the the, the worst kept secret that he's doing blow he's mm -hmm. you know doing drugs in the dugout whatever doing pills um but like we said he was selling tickets so it wasn't an issue he was a good pitcher and that was that they don't care you know it wasn't yeah. until yeah. he was bad where now it's a problem and Harvey is lazy and arrogant and, oh, he had a drug problem, ruined his career. Um, like, it's such nonsense, man. It really yeah. is just such nonsense. And that was really the point, like, like I was trying to make with, with, all, with my tweet yesterday. You know, maybe I didn't do a great job expanding on that. And that's my fault. But, I mean, no, it's I just. No, I thought that was, I mean, I'm, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with your tweet yesterday. Yeah. But I also think, I like. I heard, um, I was listening to uh, the Shea Station podcast with Jerry Blevins and Jolly Olive. Um, and like Jerry Blevins had a really interesting thought about it too, because, you know, how do you establish trust between players and a possible, you know, mental health professional um, that works for the organization where, you know, their salary is paid by like how do you take a player out of a playing situation who needs to be when you know both 
both the player and possibly the mental health professional are employed by the same employer. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a complex issue to, uh, to navigate. We're not totally, you know, I, I don't have a, I don't have like a perfect solution. Uh, I don't think anybody does, but, uh, but it's definitely has to be better. That's for sure. The thing is, it's like, you're absolutely right about that. Um, and I think it's something that needs to be destigmatized first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. Like these guys are celebrities to a certain degree and they're living a very fast paced lifestyle. They're also living a very grueling lifestyle. And it's, you know, you saw with the 86 Mets, they were, they were partying a lot, but they were doing, you know, greenies, they were doing whatever to, to, to last, um, yeah. you know, to last through this long season. Um, and in today's game where so many pitchers are getting Tommy John surgery, you know, their arms are kind of being, um, you know, run into the ground addiction to these things becomes very common. Um, I mean, Tommy John surgery is a very long recovery period. It's very isolating. Um, and it's a very lonely thing that takes a long time to come back from and painkillers, substances, whatever you're using to kind of combat that, that pain and that, and that loneliness and that, that, that having to work your way back up, like it's a very vicious cycle. Um, so I just hope that it's something that we're able to talk about more in the open without such like critical um, like commentary on it. Like let's, let's get these people right, make them feel less lonely and try to prevent this. Like, that's really like, like, you know, yeah. that's really what it needs to come down to. And like you said, I don't have a perfect solution either. I don't, um, but I don't, I'm not going to sit here and be like Harvey, was a was a was a cokehead and 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 pill addict and he ruined his career because he was partying all night and because he was an arrogant son of a bitch like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say that um because i don't know he's a human being and yeah, yeah like i don't know i just think well, it's like there's and now there's, now with all this information out in the open too like how much of that matt harvey bravado that has really come to be sort of his brand um like how much of that was you know covering up his his mental health struggles probably a lot you know players aren't really allowed to have mental health struggles right like these guys are supposed to be poster boys they're supposed to be role models they're supposed to be this they're supposed to be that um so you know I, that's why I really respect Zach Grinky a lot. He's a guy who's been very open about his social anxiety, about his depression, but yeah. it's something that you don't, you, it's still not like a thing where these guys are really looked at with as human beings. They're looked at as these like machines that aren't allowed to have emotions. Um, it's like why when Wilmer Flores was crying on the field in 2015, it was so jarring. Cause it's like, yeah, you just don't, you don't see these guys expressing any kind of emotion other than, euphoria or excitement you know it's like for them to be sad is like so out of the ordinary for them to have any kind of other emotions they're people you know like there's days where they're well, probably like dreading going to the ballpark you know yeah and, and we're seeing it more and more um you know with with social media being what it is today i mean like and it's it's obviously not just baseball you know you have simone biles at the olympics uh being uncomfortable with her routine because she could be paralyzed or killed by you know some of the maneuvers she's doing 
um, like Michaela Schifrin in these Olympics, uh, the, the downhill skier, she's, you know, she's had all kinds of struggles, uh, with confidence, um, she, because she, she basically, you know, failed out of both of the races that she was favorited to win. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just another in the long line now, a longer line and growing of these high profile athletes who, um, who I, I props to them for, for being outspoken about the way that they feel. Um, because without that, I don't think any progress is made. Yeah. And, um, you know, I totally agree with you. Uh, I hope Matt Harvey, I think really what this comes down to is I hope Matt Harvey is able to get the help that he needs. He's able to have a support system that is beneficial for him. Um, and I hope that he's able to, um, you know, to, to, to be the best person that he can be. Um, and I really just wanted to kind of conclude this episode by saying, you know, seriously, like, like rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, this is obviously we're talking about the Harvey situation Skaggs, uh, you know, obviously a victim of a fentanyl overdose, um, and just a very sad situation all, all around, um, you know, leaving behind a family that really cared about him dying such an early death. Uh, you, you read so much about Skaggs and how he was such an amazing person, teammate and to lose someone that young, uh, is just very sad. And for him to have battled with what he did, you know, also having problem with drugs, substance abuse, addiction, like, it's just like a very sad thing. Um, and I'm sure Harvey, you know, carries a very heavy heart and regardless of what happened, what way he was tied into it. Like there was, there was several guys on the team doing it. Nobody wanted this to happen. And obviously there's a risk when you take drugs, but, um, it's still very sad. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's just such a heartbreaking thing. And, um, anytime a player dies, you know, in baseball, like being that young and, and just dying in such a tragic uh, way is just, it's such a sad thing to me, um, you know, and I think that those, those guys deserve so much empathy too, you know, cause they had their demons and uh, they're human and that's really what it, what it comes down to. So I just felt like mentioning that as well. Yeah. I mean, if my, any, any takeaway from this episode has to be um, have some empathy. So that'll, um, that'll wrap it up. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, and we'll catch you soon. Uh, I'm Rob Pearsall and, uh, with Mike Jennings signing off.